Before we get underway, I got a story for you. Inspired by last week's message. So, I opened last Sunday. Had to be here to open. Simon was doing Beginner's Church. We had to be here. We were up at our cabin, uh, cabin we rent. And we got up in the wee hours of the morning, headed, headed here to church. And there's a spot just, just right around Trigo where Highway 63 and Highway 53 come back together. They run together for a short period of time. But there's a red light there. And I don't know how many of you were at last week's message, but I was sitting right there. And Pastor John was talking about stop signs. And I was at this red light in the wee out, 5.30 in the morning, there's nobody there. And I looked left and I looked right more than once or twice. Absolutely nobody. My son was sleeping in the seat next to me. So I went through because it's a temporary red light. It's not supposed to be there. But while they're doing construction, it's there. I went through it. There was nobody, right? So fast forward a couple hours. Pastor John is up here talking about virtue, talking about positive, what was it, positive and negative freedom. And he said, and I've got it quoted because I went back and looked, if everyone were virtuous, you'd be stopping at stop signs. <laughs> and how he stopped at his stop sign, and because God says, follow the law of the land. And I'm sitting right there going, the best I could do. Whoops. <laughs> but, but it inspired me to today's reading. We're going to Romans chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 18. We're going to read through 20. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. <laughs> that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. The desire, the willing is present in me, but the doing the doing of good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but that which dwells in me. That which dwells in me. Now one of the things I learned when I was going to Karis is that the flesh will not get better. Try as you may, try as we may, the flesh will not get better. But there's always a way out. God provided that way out. Jesus provided that way out. We can always pray. We can always pray. I can go confidently to the grace of the throne of mercy, as we're told to do in Hebrews. I can submit to God and resist the devil, as we're told to do in James. Or and or I can have my mind renewed to the point that the law of the land is just there. First Peter 2 13 we're told to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Or in Romans 13 1 every person is to be subjected to the governing authorities. They're there if I renew my mind enough to stop me at that red light and keep me there regardless of the cars or not. Virtue, virtue. 
Let's all rise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus would say to you, look around you. Look around you. Look around you. And see. And see who he would say, speak to. I have called you. I have called you out of darkness and into the light to speak truth, to speak truth, to speak life, to speak life into death. He wants to raise, he wants to raise those around you, but you need to speak, you need to speak. And he said, do not fear, do not fear their faces, do not fear, do not fear what you're gonna say, and just as in Jeremiah, it says that he will fill your mouth. He will fill your mouth. But look around. Look around and see what he sees. And ask him. Ask him. Oh, thank you, Kathy. You know, that word, God just told me which way to go. Let's begin with prayer, shall we? Father, we honor you because you are so worthy of everything we can give you. And Lord, we love you today. We love you more, Father, today than when we first believed. And Father, our hearts are full and we just worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I ask this morning that as I share the offering teaching and the announcements, that your anointing will be on all that's said and done, not only here, but also later as Mac brings us a message. Father, we just thank you for this morning of worship. We thank you for Jamie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you love him, shout amen. amen. Thank you, Jamie. Don't you, aren't you grateful for our worship team? Whoa. Well, this morning, if you're a visitor in our church, things are a little different today than normal. But you know, that's good. We don't want to become complacent, do we? We want to listen to God and obey God. And I know I've got tears, but you know what? I've got tears because God is so good. Isn't he good? He's been faithful from the time I first met him when I was five years old. And you know what? I'm a couple days older than that now. So praise God. Again, if you're new to our church, you probably noticed that we were singing in the spirit. Isn't it good to feel your spirit sing and praise God? Hallelujah. If this is new to you, then look in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, and God will give you a glimpse of the truth there. Okay? Hallelujah. And also, what Kathy shared, the word that Kathy shared, that's also talked about in those scriptures. So, um, praise God.
it's good. Hallelujah. Like I said, when she prayed the way she said, I realized which way God wanted me to go, and I've been praying all morning about it. Okay, God, what am I doing? She was talking about how we need, I got to look at the time because I got 10 minutes. I could have, you know, 110 minutes, but because I just like to talk, but I want to stick with God this morning, okay? So God wants me to share this with you, and it's not because I'm such a fantastic Christian. No. You know, serving God is pretty basic. He will speak a word in your ear, and you will obey it. How tough is that? Do you have to be 50 to get it? No. The children in my children's class, they can get it. Right? Hallelujah. So here's the thing I want to share with you. I'm in the restaurant, and I'm standing, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to give the waitress for a tip. And I give her the tip, and she looks at me. Now, you probably haven't had too many waitresses say this to you, but she said, that's too much. Right? I said, no. I said, it's not too much. I said, God is extravagant, but he is not wasteful. Right? The story with the loaves and the fishes tells us he saved that, didn't he? He didn't throw away what was left, but he still had an abundance for everybody that was there, didn't he? So after I told her, you know, that God was extravagant, I said, but you know what? There's something more important than that that God wants you to hear today, and that is God loves you. You know what? That's a message that we can all tell to everyone, anywhere. I can't tell you how many times I've said those three little words and someone burst out crying. And it's an opportunity for God to use you because he's an amazing God. Hallelujah. So he is extravagant, but not wasteful, right? Um, I didn't ask the Kairos in the back to do all the scriptures for me today. I'm going to make you work in your Bible this morning for the next seven minutes, okay? Now, you may have a device or you may have a physical Bible like I have. Whichever one you have will work. And that is terrific because, because God honors the word. So, and... I also reverted the order I was going to do things today. So, you know, you just got to go with the flow. Here's a strange question. Are any of you in debt today? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you are, (laughs) does God want you there? No. No. You know what? In Proverbs 22 and verse 7, that's your first scripture, um, he says this. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay, servant, like in slave? Hello? And we don't think of ourselves like that. And we think instead that we're free. But that's not the case if we're in debt. And trust me, At one point in my life, I had a nice home. I was completely out of debt. 
But then, all of a sudden, I had a spouse and things went wild. Now I'm back on track and you know, I'm getting more debt free every single day. Hallelujah. And God will help you to do the things he needs you to do. Two years ago, I knew God wanted me to go to Karis three years ago, but I didn't get to go till two years ago. And praise God, he's got the money for everything you need to do for him. But I would ask you a question. What does God have for you to do? I'm asking you today to be an offering to God. You yourself. But also to let him work in you to do what he pleases. I want to challenge you to believe God in the area of finances. This is one of the places that God has taken me to. Um, in Habakkuk 2.4, which uh, that's kind of a challenge in my, this particular Bible is not as used as some of mine. So I might have a bit of a challenge finding my Habakkuk. But I'll tell you what that scripture says. It says the same thing as in Romans 1.17, which I won't have any trouble finding. <laughs> and that says, Turn with me, please. 117, whether you're in an electronic device or something else. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Go over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. And it says but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And in Hebrews, guess what it says? Can you tell me? The just shall live by faith. See how smart you are? Hebrews 10, 38. I won't go over there to turn, but you may want to write it down. I'm looking back at Nathaniel and I'm thinking, you know, God gave me four messages for today. One of them referred back to your message, Nathaniel. Hallelujah. But this is the one I'm given, not that one. So, and I didn't share with Pastor John that this is something I was gonna talk about today, but it is important to me and I believe Pastor John will be excited about it. So God's given Pastor John a big vision, right? 24 churches by 2027, yeah. That's no walk in the park, you know. So it'll take money to accomplish that, won't it? Because the gospel f is free, but to get it piped to, you might cost a penny or two. And if your heart is like mine, and you wanna come alongside Pastor John in this vision, then I want you to ask today, what does God want you to do? And it's probably going to be different than the person next to you. But I don't want you to do it out of obligation. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 14.3. And I'll tell you how it should work. The word says in 14.3, but he that, uh, 14, is it 14.3? Or did I get the wrong, 1 Corinthians 14. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
13.3, sorry, Miss Typo. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. So this is the way God wants you to give. He wants you to give it in love and in faith, because faith works by love. And he can do more than we can ask or think, is what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Will you start by giving a million dollars? I don't think so. But wherever you are, start. You know? We're all at different places, you know? And that's okay, because we're all different people and we have different experiences, and God works in our heart differently. But if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you've been listening to Brian, he's done a lot of offering teaching in this particular scripture. This is one of the ways you need to consider giving. Every man, as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. Are you the channel through which God wants to flow? When God first started dealing with me, do you know how much debt I had? Whoa. And I'd experienced debt before. There was a point in time when I'd gone through some difficult things and um, I moved from my old house. I moved into a new house. When my son came to the house, he said, Mom, how come you have this half a million dollar house? And I'm like, it's not a half a million dollars. But to him, it was way more than what we had when he was growing up. So God shows us abundance as we follow him. He gives us the desires of our heart. Because you know what? That pleases him. So people ask me, why do I have this four-bedroom house? This is the house God gave me. That's my best answer. And God is good. He really is good. When I was buying that house, God told me the scripture that I shared with you, the just shall live by faith. He said, Linda, the house you want to buy, you can afford. But I want you to trust me and buy this house because this is the one I want to give you. Amen. And you know, God's thoughts are always bigger than our thoughts. It says in Isaiah, that his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. So I don't have time to refer you there, but here are three scriptures. If you've got a pen, write them down. Genesis 18, 14, and this scripture says, is anything too hard for God? I don't think so. Jeremiah 32, 17, God stretched forth his hands and made the earth and the heaven with his great power. And Psalms 35, 27, God delights in the prosperity of his children. God is magnified in the prosperity of his servants. Aren't you happy when your children receive the things that please them? Especially if you know it's not gonna hurt them. Everyone, as I've already said before, is at a different level of faith. You're not where I am, it, are, and, and someone's not where Justin is, or where Nathaniel is, or where Christy is, or wherever. 
We're all different. So don't compare yourself to someone else. That's not God's plan. But God wants you to be blessed. You may think, oh, this is a time of famine. Write this scripture down. If you think this is a year you can't be blessed, write down Genesis 26, 1 and 12 through 14. Isaac was blessed in a year of famine, and you know what he got? 100-fold return. That's pretty good in a year of famine, don't you think? So, hallelujah, God is good. Ask him what he wants you to do. If he doesn't give you an answer, then he's saying to you, you get to pick. So give as God lays it on your heart, or as you desire in your heart, as you purpose in your heart. Hallelujah. And with that, Wayne, could you come on up, Pastor Wayne? And he's going to announce. Good morning, everyone. So we got a bunch of rowdy bikers here this morning, so you'll have to. They love Jesus, amen? So and in 2004, I actually met Brother Mac. He's a vice president of the national vice president of Circuit Rider Motorcycle Ministries. And we got connected through a mutual acquaintance. Her name was Dove Morgan. And, and my life's never been the same since because God gave me a heart for bikers. And he hooked me up with Circuit Rider Motorcycle Ministry. So through a phone call, I met Brother Mac over the phone, actually, and we were talking. If I had a question, I'd call him and, and uh, Brother Doc, and, and he was the VP then also. And anyway, so he said, well, we're coming up. We're coming up. So they made an effort to come up, and there was like five or six of them. And we had a, a tent meeting about Circuit Rider Motorcycle Ministries. And through the years, then we developed the Righteous Riders chapter. So through the years, we just... developed a relationship that was totally from the Lord. And we have a different past, but we have the same future. We have the same Lord. Things are changing. And through all that, through all that, we have more members of Circuit Rider Motorcycle Ministry. And over the years, we've met more and more. And so that ministry's growing, and that's my biker family. And I love what we do, because we are out there being a witness to the Lord. We're out there talking to bikers, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so I've known Brother Mac for a long time. So come on up, brother, and give us the word. Let's give a big hand for Brother Mac. Hallelujah. We're trying to get wired up here. You got a bunch of bikers trying to get high tech, amen. And 
Uh, y'all bear with us. Can you hear me? So um, I'm obviously not from here, y'all. I tried to get here as quick as I could. So uh, we love the Lord, although some of us look a little different. I'm from Texas, and uh, not everything's big in Texas, as you can obviously tell. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know what happened to me, so glory to God. We'll get that out of the way, Ryan. And so uh, uh, my wife's not with me. She was supposed to come. We had a death in the family, so y'all pray for her. Her name's Cammy. So, baby, if you're watching this, I love you, and we'll be praying for you. And uh, is it okay to say that we're supposed to love our wives, right? There are queens, amen. It's so much as Christ loved the church, he gave his life for it, hallelujah. So, um, we had a good time this weekend. Our founder is preaching at another church. They kind of separated us. Uh, Brother Doc, he's even worse than me. He's full-blown Cajun from Louisiana. (laughs) So, at least you can probably understand me. If not, I'll explain later. Uh, but uh, Circuit Riders has 22 chapters right now. We kind of took a hit. The enemy's a punk. We know that. He was defeated 2,000 years ago. Um, but he still tries to do things. So we're running about, we, at one time with 1,600 members, we've dropped down to about three because a pruning has went on. But you know what? After a pruning, we grow again. So uh, you guys are a part of that. If you want to be a part, see Wayne or Patty. We have a chapter now in Minnesota as well, and some of those guys are here today. That's where Brother Doc's at. And so I'm going to move pretty quick. I'm probably one of the quicker preachers. I'll have you out for your roast here pretty soon, and it won't burn at the house. Um, You know, I'm going to share, you know, those of us that have ministered, you know it's sometimes a battle coming up with a message, especially when you don't know the people. I've just met your pastor to kind of know where things are spiritually. So what I'm going to do is go to a safety zone. You know, Revelation 12:11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, Amen. right? And so I don't know about you guys, but I want to be an overcomer. Amen. You know, yes, I'm a biker, but Jesus died for not just bikers, all people. So saying that, I'm going to go to Mark 11:23. Um, I pulled it up on the phone. I'm trying to get high tech like you guys. <laughs> Uh, Mark eleven twenty three says, For verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, Amen. and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his or her heart, I added that, hallelujah, but shall believe that those things which he has said shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. In that passage of Scripture, Mountains aren't talking about a rock or a mountain. They're talking about anything that protrudes in your life higher than Jesus Christ. Amen. And some of us got some pretty big mountains in our life. So I'm going to share some things. It hurts. So if I cry, y'all get over it because I, I kind of battle with sharing my past because it's, um, I was, I was just stupid. Amen. So I'm going to bring the PG version to keep the peace in here. Um, But I was raised on the streets of Houston, Texas. I don't know if you're familiar with that. At one time, it was the third largest city in the United States. Um, I didn't have a mother and a father. I had just a mother who had to be a father, too. Um, You know, we hear the song and dance, father's alcoholic, etc., got run off and wasn't no count. Well, he was drinking hard because he came home from Vietnam. Amen? So they went through some traumatic things over there. So that being said... I found myself running up and down the streets trying to be 
raise my younger sister four years younger than I and find a father figure. And that's what happens to a lot of us, amen? The wrong father figure. So I found these guys down the road uh, that were bikers. And I was like, wow, this is cool. We can work on bikes and go-karts and do all of this and smoke a cigarette, drink a beer. Nobody's going to say nothing, look at pretty girls. You know, I'm a guy. So, you know, as, as time progressed, I was being indoctrinated into a motorcycle club is what was happening. They became my father. They became my family. And that's what we still see today. Folks look in the wrong areas for those things. Amen, Brother Wayne? Before I knew it, I was 15 years old, and I didn't even have a license, but I had a Harley Davidson I built out of stolen motorcycle parts. Amen? And I had a 25-year-old lady that they gave me. Does, do y'all comprehend old lady? I'm sorry. Significant other. Is that the correct word? <laughs> so I'm still a little boy, right? So my mother is unaware of all this. She's working three jobs to try to pay the bills, single mom. She comes home from work one day and sees me there with my bike. Who's this bike? Mine. What? Who's that girl? My woman. You're my son. I said, it's all good, mama. You don't know what's happening. You're never here. So all that said, I earned my patch when I turned 18. I'm not going to say the club because this is being videoed and I don't want to stir up any commotion, but it was a dominant one percenter club in Texas. Before I was 20 years old, I found myself in prison the first time for selling drugs and running girls at the topless bars. I got out of prison. And I just learned how to be a better convict, sister. Right? So the last time I go to prison, I went down in 90, got out in 97. So I did almost seven years. I did a total of 11 years in the Texas Department of Corrections. And um, I thought I had arrived, was a big bad boy, all five foot seven of me. And you know, I found, um, I don't know how country you all are, because I'm from Texas, it's all. <laughs> but I found myself not wanting to be mistaken for a cow, so I was bellowing as a bull loud so they wouldn't make a mistake. Us little guys had to do bigger and badder things than the big guys, brothers, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, while in prison, I took a man's life because of his skin color. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because that's a, a touchy subject today. But I want to tell you something. God loves us enough. He delivered me from that. Amen. My mother had got saved while incarcerated. This is the speeded up version. She had got saved while I was incarcerated at the Brownsville Revival in Florida. How many of you ever heard of that? Pretty awesome, wasn't it? It's kind of went and come now. Kilpatrick and company there. And so she starts sending me letters and stuff in prison. And I'm an administrative seg because I took a man's life. Now they're going to prosecute me with a murder charge. That's how they do in Texas, which means I'll never come home. So I'm thinking, okay, mom, whatever. You can talk about Jesus all you want to. He's a joke to me. You know, whatever. Weak people serve him. And I found myself bored because they don't give you anything. You're, you're hardhead. So in Texas, you, ha you can get religious literature given to you free of charge if you're indigent. So I submitted for a Bible, and they sent me a Bible. I started reading it. It's pretty cool stories, man. Old Testament, kicking tail and taking names, you know. Still hard-headed, right? <laughs> but God had a plan because a mother realized the error of her ways, and she got on her knees and started praying. 
I didn't know this at the time. So while reading the Bible, I was looking, you know, get calling myself something to do, reading the Old Testament because it's blood and gore and this and that. I started getting literature from Kenneth Copeland. I know y'all heard of this guy, right? And so he was instrumental. I know he may not be your favorite guy, but he blessed me in my wilderness experience, if you will. And I started doing Bible studies from him and all. Long story short, less than one year later from that point, never supposed to come home, I was at the Walls unit. That's where you get released from prison in Texas looking at my mother. The miracles had begun, but I was so naive, wasn't saved, didn't realize what was going on. I thought, yes, I got over on the system again. Hallelujah. But it was God running game on me. So my mother sees me at prison. I have a shirt on because I don't want to offend folks with my tattoos. Yesterday I was shining them loud and proud because we was fishing bikers, amen. Uh, She's standing there. I'll never forget it. She's looking at me. She's like, son, what happened? I said, mom, in prison, you got to do what you got to do, okay? I don't want to talk about all that to you. And so time rocks on, and we have to go to church now. I had to parole to my mother's house. I want you mothers to continue praying and grandmothers and fathers, uncles, because God hears you. He doesn't wear a Timex like we do, Brother Steve. Ain't that ironic? His tomorrow could be a thousand years. Amen. So anyway, we started going to church, a little old town of Hemp Hill, Texas, on the Louisiana line, maybe population a thousand. They roll the carpet up at six o'clock in the evening. I'm from Houston, a big city, and I'm like, I hate this place. My mother, you'll learn to love it. Amen. So what it was, was God was putting me in a box to keep an eye on me, I guess. And the church goes into revival, Hip Hill Christian Center, a full gospel church. And we're going every night. And I thought, man, I hate this, man. We got to go to church every night. These people are calling me brother, and I love you. You ain't my brother. You've never shed blood with me. You, I, I don't know who you are. Get your hands off of me. And I was throwing some tongues with it, secular tongues, amen, <laughs> being belligerent in the church house. And in the revival that was going on, a young brother come in and preached a message on power. And I said, man, that's in the word. Because you see, for me, if you're going to share the word, get it right, because you're responsible for that. You know, folks would share one verse and try to build a ministry out of it. I could finish the whole chapter without me opening the book because I read it in prison all the time. You see, he was preparing me. Amen. So I'm standing, back up to speed, I'm standing at the altar. And the guy says, what do you want from God tonight, Mac? How do you know my name, bro? You know, I was fighting it all the way to the end. I said, you see all these idiots laying on the floor, brother? Get one thing understood with you. You're not going to push me down. Recognize that. But if God has all that power you're preaching about, tell him, come on with it. Bam! I was on the floor. Can we say that here? I did. Sorry, Facebook land or whatever. But I got up and and I was drunk in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Flopping over chairs, Brother Wayne. And all. And God seen fit over a short period of time to allow me to go into the ministry with no formal training. Isn't that weird? 
So folks ask me today, they say, well, Brother Mac, what, what college did you go to? What kind of degree do you got? I said, Brother, I've got a PhD, hallelujah. I'm past having doubt, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, but on the real, if you can get educated, that's a great thing. Some of us, God calls us up a little quicker, amen? amen. Because bikers, you know, we're kind of rough around the edges. You have to deal with them rough around the edges because... Although I'm 56 years old, I can still handle pretty well four or five at a time. That's how it was in prison. I learned well, you know, but I'm trying to change, Brother Steve. <laughs> so, long story short, we're going to bring this shortly, getting there, because Wayne said he closes it. You usually get out at 11. Um, I found out I could ride a motorcycle again, and I could serve God too. I thought you had to be an outlaw to ride a bike, and I'm trying to change. And so I got into motorcycle ministry and um, started doing what I do for the Lord within the motorcycle ministry. And wouldn't you know it, in midst that, folks hear me preach and travel in all these different big rallies and things that God's called me to. They ask me, would you come and pastor our church? I'm like, you're not ready for that, man. You're not ready for that. Neither am I. And I realized real quick I wasn't called to be a pastor. I'm not going to sit there and wipe your backside with baby wipes and do all that. That's the pastor's job. Amen. I come in, tear the house down, and let him clean it up. Hallelujah. You know, I joke a lot because that's how I get through the pain. Folks ask me, Brother Mac, are you okay? Yes, and I've been delivered and restored, but there ain't a day goes by that I don't hurt over a man's life I took in prison because his mama don't have him no more on account of me. God delivered me from that, but it still bothers me. So I said all this, and this is in closing. If bank can foreclose, all five close. Amen. <laughs> I don't know how you do around here. If y'all do altar calls or whatever, I want to respect this church as Wayne takes us to the next level. But if this has touched any of you, if you have family members, which I know you do, you may not want to share it. Some of us are not as bold as I am. Come forward. Stand in the gap for them. Amen. If that's okay. Will we get run off for that, Wayne? I believe in laying on of hands. It's a transferring of the anointing. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We all have problems in here. We all have people we love, young and old. It might be your mom and dad or your grandparents. It's flipped around. You're saved and they're not. But you want to see them go to heaven with you, right? There's only one way and it's through Jesus Christ. Some of us think, well, I've been to college, so, you know, I'm, I've arrived. You know what? Just because you've been to college, and it's not throwing stones at this, this is a broad, just a general statement, does not mean you're qualified to preach the gospel. You know who qualifies you to preach the gospel? Jesus Christ does. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. I'm going to just say the first verse. Let me clean it up. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Two-thirds of God's name is go. That's a command word. Amen. It didn't say if you felt like it. Your world is at Walmart. Your world's down at the motorcycle shop, at the Harley shop. Your world's on the job. Your world's in school. Wherever you're at, that's the world. Last thing, I'm turning it over to Wayne, promise. A.W. Towser, I believe, is the brother that said it. Don't kill me if I miss it, but I'm pretty sure he's the one that made this statement. If you're not sharing Jesus with others, I question your own salvation. End of quote. 
Eat on it for a minute. Amen? Amen. I'm not God. There's one God. I encourage you to get busy about the Father's business and stay busy. Amen? Amen? We love you. Thank you for having us. I hope you call us back. Don't run Wayne off because it's not his fault. Amen, brother? <laughs> and this brother over here that can wear a kilt, that's all man, brother. I like that because I'm Irish, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> brother Wayne, come, come us up, brother. I just wanted to thank you guys for not freaking about some guy with a long beard and a do-rag and a motorcycle up here. <laughs> We're going to keep Brother Mac up here if someone would like prayer. But we're going to close out now. And Good word from my Brother Mac. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful word. Thank you, Jesus. Out of a biker. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <Go Packers>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't stop smiling, but I got to pray to close her out here. But <laughs> Father God, we just thank you. We thank you that we each have a church family. We thank you that we all have other ministries that we can call family. We thank you, Father God, though, that, that we're all the family of God. Father God, there's no, it's, it's wonderful to be adopted into your family, Father God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the blood that he shed for us. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together in the word that Brother Mac brought this day. Father, we just ask your blessing upon each and every family here and all the family members, Father God, that they would continue on this day, Father God, even stronger for you, even more on fire for you, even more and more. You bring the increase, Father God, in everybody's life to overflowing so it's not containable, so it's for others, all that that runs over the love of Jesus shed abroad in our hearts. Father, we ask you a blessing upon this church and all the churches represented here this day, and we give you all the glory for what has taken in place this day in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Who don't know the Lord. They swear like sailors. You know, they're raised in the church. They know the difference. But they, they, they just, I just feel I got to do something. So I'm going over there tonight and I asked them, bring your friends. They said, they don't believe in that stuff. I said, good. I said, I want, but I want the anointing, I know I need the anointing to share with them. I know I need the wisdom of God. I mean, I can logically tell them about the gospel. I mean, I understand the gospel real well, you know, but I need the anointing and I need something to break through uh, because I don't want to see them lost. You know, they, they're, they're headed to destruction and uh, not all of them. I got 38 grandkids. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so uh, there's some on a little different path than others. There's all kinds of paths. But I ain't going to tell no jokes today. I'm just going to get prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Are you going to pray for me? If you want. I do.
Sure, go ahead, sister. Um, I just want to say what an honor and privilege it's been to be here this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're from Baytown, Texas, close to Houston, but um, my husband and I help with worship at our church, and I just want to say what a beautiful church you are. When I was standing there, and we're up here most of the time, and I just cried because my heart was so full with joy because I heard everyone singing and I said, this is what the throne of God is going to be like. This is how it's going to be in heaven. I could hear everyone singing and it was beautiful. I, I love your, your, your spirit of worship and, and just it just blessed my heart so much. And I also want to say this about the anointing. It's so true, but I want to encourage you. The Lord is showing me and teaching me, and you probably already know this, but He's showing me that the Holy Spirit is amazing and speaks. So when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you may think that it's crazy, but you do it because there was a man that gave um, his testimony, and he was in prison, and he said that he hated Christians and would beat them up. He just had nothing. He didn't want anything to do with God. And he said when he was in prison that there, it was over Christmas and they made, Chris, they made cookies and put four cookies in a bag. And if people came to the service, then they would hand the bags out to the prisoners. And he said, and this broke me, y'all. He said, I had never, he was 27 years old and had never had a homemade cookie in his life. 27 years old, that's what brought him to Jesus. A cookie. A cookie that a lady baked and bless her. I mean, you know, so when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something in your world, in your job, with as a student at school, with your friends, when the Holy Spirit says to speak, do it. Because he, he works in awesome ways. God is fun. The Holy Spirit is amazing. And when you listen to that still small voice and get quiet enough, I'm talking to myself, when we get quiet enough and let the Lord speak and listen, life is exciting. It's awesome. Before you know it, you're grabbing somebody's hand and you're praying and you're praying for someone and tears are streaming down their face and God's touching their heart because of your obedience. So be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Circuit riders, y'all come up. Y'all gonna pray with, oh, come on. I got one more thing I wanted to say. When God wanted to set me free from how I looked in front of other people, I was in a church and this Spanish guy was doing boom, 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 boom. And the black guy was rapping and I was dancing. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, God had me do some dancing to uh, to to set me free. You know, the Bible, it says twist to open. You know, so I I had to do a little a little. I had to little. I had to. I couldn't worry about what people thought about me. You know, Linda says she wished I wear my good pants, but you know, I just wear what's in front of me. Anyway, you ready, Mac? I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Circuit riders, y'all come up. Y'all know what's up. I love y'all, and I don't mean nothing ugly. We have a, a gentleman and a lady here that 
We need prayer and, and we're all in corporate prayer together. He's praying for his kids, his grandkids. She has a son. And you know what? It's the enemy. It's the enemy. And God hears our prayers. Amen. So since we're coming together, two or more gathered here today, he's in the midst of this. The rest of the church is a part two if you want to stretch your hands. Amen. So Father God, right now.